This is Real Estate Rookie Show 22. I've had a good solid team. Now I need to continue to build on that because it doesn't mean that that one person is gonna be there forever. So uh, I need to continue to grow that team just in case. I am Ashley Kerr, and I am here today with my wonderful co-host, Felipe Mejia, who has promised me a matching t-shirt so we can match on one of the episodes. So we have to hold him to that. Absolutely. So I'm wearing my <laughs> Mexico soccer jersey. My One of my favorite ones is this black and green neon with it. But anyways, I'm going to send you one, Ashley, and we will do one together. Okay. But I have to tell you something, and you could probably tell I was a little frazzled today when we first hopped on to record this episode because I had bank fraud happen on one of my property accounts. And the bank is like their system is down, so they can't even pull the checks, but I was able to pull it on my online banking and I had to send them to them, but it's like not even my checks. And to make it all worse, the person the checks were written out to is someone I know that I had hired for a short time to clean the Airbnb. So I'm really hoping that like someone just stole her identity or something like that, but we will see. But uh, it's been like a stressful day. And after this, I have to go file a police report. Man, that's tough, Ashley. I'm so sorry that happened. I know that that can be stressful because at the end of the day, one, you know your money's okay, but it's still the wasted time. And I hate that yes, because I yes. hate I hate more wasted time than wasted money. And if somebody in my instance needed it, I would rather just let them borrow it or have it than steal from me. So that sucks. I'm sorry that's going on. Yeah. Well, I, I have to say that I'm in a way better mood after we recorded this awesome podcast recording with our 48-year-old police officer who started investing. Um, how, how old was he when he started? I mean, fairly recently. Yeah. Correct? I said he yeah. really recently started started investing in real estate. He's a full-time police officer, Was is or was in the military, and still found the systems in place using Cozy and a couple other tips that I'm not going to give out yet. And I'll let him talk about that, where now he's automated everything in his business. It's funny, though, because he talks about that he still changes the air filters. Someone's got to figure out how to automate that. But what a great show having full-time job, late investing in real estate. But he said he joined Bigger Pockets, became a pro member, ate up all the knowledge, and started his investing with his friend uh, as a partnership in his very first deal. Yeah, and they go on to talk about the how they structured that partnership, what their first deal was like, and how he has continued on. He has five deals now and uh, living in his six until he can build his dream house, and then he will also rent that out. But he talks about foreclosures and how he actually took over the mortgage payments for someone who was in pre-foreclosure. And that is just an awesome strategy that I don't think gets talked about enough. So make sure you listen to that little bit. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. 
Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the BiggerPockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent to retirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC, but you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. Hi, Ruben. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you for this opportunity. I appreciate it. Yeah, let's Ruben, just jump right up, in. Yeah. Hey, what's going on, Felipe? <laughs> ¿Cómo estás? Bien? Muy bien, muy bien. Gracias a Dios. Let's jump right in and tell us a little bit about how you got started in real estate. Well, about uh, three years ago or so, I have a, a close friend of mine that I grew up with that is a, a real estate agent in the San Antonio area. And he was aware that I was trying to get into real estate investing. It's just something I always wanted to do. I started doing a little research by reading, watching podcasts, uh, became a Bigger Pockets Pro member back in 2015 and started saving up some money. And uh, one day he called me out of the blue. He said, hey, I know you've been looking at trying to get started. There's a great foreclosure opportunity. It's such a good deal. I'd like to go in halves with you. So that's what we did. Him and I combined our money and we bought our first deal. 
How did you trust this person? What made you decide that you're going to do this with them? Well, him, him and I grew up together. I mean, yeah. so we grew up a block from each other. We've been best friends ever since. So no trust issues. No hesitation whatsoever. there. None, yeah, that's none. awesome. Let me let me jump in a little bit into your background there, Ruben. You said you've been looking for real estate for a little while. Is that what you did, did full time? Or I mean, give us a little bit of background on yourself. So I've been the police officer for the last 27 years. Uh, I've been working for the state police here in Texas for the Texas House. I will patrol for the last 22 years. I just recently in 2019 also retired from the Air Force Reserve. I retired with 25 years of service there. So I've been in law enforcement pretty much my entire adult life. Man, well, first off, let me start by saying thank you for your service. And I mean, thank you for thank what you're you. doing. Thank, thank you. you. So from law enforcement, real estate, what, I mean, what happened yeah. in the middle there? <laughs> uh, man, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I've always had an interest in just real estate in general, but never really pursued it until here the last few years. Uh, it's something that I always wanted to do. And I went ahead and started learning some basic foundation type knowledge and took a dive. How old were you when you started? You said you've been in the military and, and all that. So at what age did you start? Uh, about 45 years old is when I really decided that it was time to start learning and start taking action. So we're never, never, never too old to start learning, man. That's awesome. I love that. You're going to crush it. So you went military and then uh, then you went on the road as a police officer and now real estate going going kind of forward from there. What obstacles did you find that you came across kind of trying to jump into the game at that time? Uh, well, really not not really knowing the market from outside the real estate world. It's, it's kind of hard to really know what's a good deal, what's not a good deal, uh, what's a good rent comp, what's not a good rent comp, how much do you need to cash flow. So all those little things that come with real estate investing are extremely important to be successful. However, again, with uh, that friend of mine, he's the one that kind of got me started, taught me how to start analyzing deals. And I just kind of started learning from there by watching you know, webinars, uh, podcasts, reading books. And I just just build my knowledge just doing that. So you didn't get stuck in analysis paralysis. You analyzed no. and studied as you kept going. That's, that's awesome. Correct. Yeah, yeah. That's correct. Uh, yeah. That's definitely something you got to do because if not, you'll never get started. And what does your portfolio kind of look like now? I currently have five rentals, five cash flowing rentals. Awesome. Uh, I did have purchase a six property. Uh, however, because of a situation with my civilian job, I got an opportunity to transfer back to the San Antonio area. I ended up moving into that, what would have been my sixth property. So in the meantime, I'm living in that property and in the process of trying to close on some vacant land so we can build our forever home. There That's we really go. I'm, I'm jealous. Just like Ashley, she has her big old <laughs> home on like a thousand acres or something. Oh, no, no. <laughs> she owns like half I, the state. I'm not that lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so Ruben, let me, let me, let me ask you a quick question though, because I know that a lot of our listeners have full-time jobs, right? And yes, sir. And you've had a couple. So how do you have five houses that you that, that you manage and have a full-time job and then moving back into your sixth property? So I think I think it's six as your portfolio, but you have a full-time job. You shouldn't be able to do this. So what I mean, what's going on? Well, here's the thing. You just gotta kind of have your systems in place. Now, as I started learning and doing the job. I kind of started to realize that I needed to set up some systems in place. And one of the biggest things that's really helped me a lot in is that cozy website. It's been very helpful for me because I've been able to list my properties on there. It syndicates with other property listing websites, which allows me to market those properties. I also utilize Zillow to market that property as well. The cozy makes it very easy to be able to apply online, get the information that you need 
through other learning material, I kind of learned what to set up as a applicant criteria. So everything's done digitally. Now I'm a real estate agent as well in San Antonio. So I have that software that's called DocuSign. So that's how I get all my lease agreement signed is, is digitally. I don't have to go meet anybody for the most part. The only time I really go see them is when I get do a move-in inspection at the beginning of the lease. And then at that point, every quarter, every three months, I do an inspection of the home. So you're doing the the full property management, not just the leasing. How do you handle maintenance requests? Well, again, I've been very blessed that I've been able to secure a good team to help me out. I got my plumbers, my roofers, my electrician. I think the the one that I've used the most is a plumber. Plumbing issues pop up every now and then. I feel like that's everyone. Everyone has everything. Everyone's plumbing always. And and this guy's great. I got him through another referral, another friend of mine. And man, I take care of him. So, and all my guys are able to be there, if not that day, the very next day, and they take care of the problem. And then that results in happy tenants. What advice would you give to someone who's looking to build a team like that? How do they find people that will be there that day or next day? And what are you doing to treat them so well that, you know, they want to do work for you? Well, I, I uh, because I like to stay connected with the real estate world, uh, I try to get from other real estate agents some referrals from them uh, since they work with them as well. So when I hear of a good, whether it's a plumber, whether it's an electrician guy, I use them, I try them out, test them out, see how they work out. And if I like them, then I put them on my team, so to speak, and then I take care of them. I pay them as soon as the the job gets done. I get confirmation from my tenants. I always check with my tenants. Hey, how was the plumber? How did they take care of the property? Any concerns? I've never had anybody say they had any concerns. As soon as I get that seal of approval, I go ahead and get them paid. Most of the time, I'm able to pay them through Venmo, Cash App. You know, it's, it's easy. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, I feel like our team is the most important part of continuing the business of real estate. We spend so much time trying to find those properties. And then, you know, if you try to cheap out on who's going to help you maintain it, that's like buying a Ferrari and then, you know, going down to your local Jiffy Lube for an oil change. That's not how you treat, you know, your investment. You do the best that you can. I agree with you, Ruben. I try to take care of my guys as soon as they're done. There's nothing like getting paid within the first three or four hours of the job being done. When I was out, you know, working my tail off for another guy, I hated when it was like, all right, payment's going to be in two weeks. I never wanted to do work for that guy again. You know, I loved when it was like, all right, confirmed, everything is good. Come pick up your check right now, or I'm going to forward it to you as soon as I can. Right. And I'll have to assume that if if they see my my number calling them, they're going to pick it right up. They're going to take care of it because they know they're going to get paid. That's exactly right. Whenever I knew the contractors that paid on time every time as fast as they could, that's the first number that I would pick up. And then the contractor that was like, well, I'll pay you in two weeks or whatever, or it's on backlog. That'd be the last number that I pick up. That's right. Over time, how long has it taken you to build this team? So you have five properties now. Did you have them from that first property? No, no, I did not. No. So it was trial and error the first probably two years. I think for the last year, year and a half, I've had a good solid team. So now I need to continue to build on that because it doesn't mean that that one person is going to be there forever. So uh, I need to continue to grow that team just in case. Have those options out there and Yes, yeah, that's absolutely. that's a great tip to make sure that, you know, those people aren't going to be in place forever as long, right. as long as you want them to. So right. it's good to have options, especially as you grow, you might need more than one plumber at once. Yeah, I also yeah. ask them, hey, who would you recommend if you're not available? Mm-hmm. 
you know, because they want to make yeah. sure, especially if him and I have a good relationship, they don't want to turn me on to someone that they necessarily wouldn't approve of either. Yeah, that's a great tip right there. Let's kind of go back. So you have your property management, you have your team. Let's talk about the acquisitions of these properties. Can you kind of walk us through how you found these properties and how you purchased them? So uh, the very first deal that I did with my friend, it was a HUD foreclosure. That's, uh, he, was able, he was actually the one that found it. Soon after that, I became a real estate agent as well. So I got access to MLS, but you don't have to have access to MLS to, to find these HUD foreclosures. You can just go to their website at hudhomestore.com. So once I learned that from my friend, uh, I started looking at that pretty frequently. I practically look at it every day. Can you explain to us real quick what a HUD foreclosure is for anyone that doesn't know? Well, uh, I, I'm not sure if I know the, the full accurate answer. What I do know, it is a foreclosure that uh, there was a government loan on, whether it's an FHA loan. I think it's an FHA loan that was foreclosed on. And now the bank is taking possession of it and they're listing it to, to sell it. That's my understanding of that. Perfect, Ruben. Perfect. Yeah. And sometimes they offer it first, like a offer period only to people who are going to live there. And then if they no bid is accepted or no one puts an offer and then it opens to investors. Correct? That's correct. Yes. Yep. Owner occupants, I think they get like 10 or 15 days. I think that varies in the uh, different markets have different requirements, but you're correct. It, it's offered to owner occupants first. And then after that, it opened it up to investors. And these are generally, you know, better prices than if you went and got something off the MLS. They're reduced rates, right? The first couple of deals, I think I bought it with at least $35,000 in equity uh, right off the right. bat. Wow, Let's that's go. awesome. <laughs> and just to, so for everyone listening, because, you know, just hearing that, you know, I'm sure a lot of people perk their ears up as to how can I find a deal like that? Uh, Ruben had mentioned that he got these off of the MLS, that you can find these HUD foreclosures on the MLS. So let's move on to the other deals. What are some other type of strategies you've used to purchase houses? The first two properties were HUD foreclosures. The third property was actually a short sale. And it was a short sale in a neighborhood where I already had a rental. So I knew that neighborhood. I knew that market. I knew the demand and there was a short supply. So obviously that was a big interest to me. And I started just watching it, submitted an offer, got it accepted and ended up closing on the deal. Now that one was not as good of a deal as a HUD foreclosure, again, because that short sale had to be approved by the bank. And, uh, but still, I, I think I got it at the end of the day with like fifteen to $17,000 in equity, but I was already cash flowing over $300 a month and it's been cash flowing ever since. Hey, Ruben, let me jump in there real quick. Can you explain short sale for those who are listening? I know that sometimes we kind of just go over these terms, but I'd love for people to kind of get a little bit more of that. Uh, a short sale is when the owner of the property owes more than what they're going to sell the property for. So there's a, a negative balance uh, will result in the end. So because of that situation, the bank has to approve that. They will take some losses, but I'm sure they have their parameters and if it falls within those, they'll approve the sale of that home. That sounds like a great opportunity to find some some good equity in a property and some great cash flow producing property. Yes. So let's move on to the rookie deal. I know we kind of talked a little bit about it. I think per our notes, it's an off-market pre-foreclosure. I mean, man, I we'd love to sit back and watch you go through the nuts and bolts of that. Would you mind kind of digging into that for us? Sure. So uh, here locally in Bear County, there's a, a website uh, that has all these foreclosures within the county. So just kind of typed in in Google, 
Bear County foreclosures, this website popped up. I started doing a little research. So I started, again, focusing in those neighborhoods that I already have properties that I know are going to cash flow and I already know their market values. So I know what price I need to get it at to, to make it a great deal. And when I did that, I found, I think there was four or five properties that were listed in these neighborhoods that I like to target. I mailed out letters to all those owners, never got a response. So that weekend, I actually, I was stationed in the Valley in Westlaco at the time. I drove up to San Antonio that weekend and actually went and knocked on these doors. Did not get an answer. However, I did leave a note with my business card. And lo and behold, one of those uh, owners gave me a call during the middle of the following week and said, hey, I uh, got your note. When can we visit in person? I'd like to see what you have to offer. So, of course, I said, I'll be there Saturday. I drove up back to San Antonio Saturday, met with them. And, you know, I already knew what the value of the property was, like I said, because I have a rental. I actually had two rentals in this neighborhood. And uh, I looked at it. I already knew the square footage. I'd already done my homework through the Bear County Appraisal District. So I had a good idea of what kind of price point I would be at for this property. Of course, depending on the condition of the home. Since where people were living in it, I assume, I'm sure the home is going to be just fine. And sure enough, when I came and toured the house, the only thing it needed was the hallway. The, the carpet had gotten wet, so the owners had taken that carpet out, and it was just bare concrete, just a slab foundation. And but that's an easy fix for me. So uh, started negotiating, and I offered them uh, a price where it was going to give me about $40,000 in equity, almost $50,000 in equity. And they accepted. Later found out that I actually offered them $10,000 above than what other investors had offered them. And that's why my deal was selected. Ruben, I think that's, I think that's really important because you know I think in that situation, maybe two parties won. I think you yes. and the seller. Because maybe you got them out of a tough situation where you offered them ten thousand more dollars than anyone else was offering. So maybe they yes. took a, a breath of fresh air, and now you're taking over a property and you have the financial backing to get it where it needs to be for you to have that forty thousand dollars in equity upon purchase. I love that because in real estate, it there doesn't have to be winners and losers. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ruben, but in real estate, I think both parties can be winners. Yes, absolutely. And still to these, to this day, these people keep in touch with me and, uh, you know, I wish them the best and I'm always trying to see how else I can help them maybe acquire that next property. You're just going to follow them around. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. that> house. <laughs> yeah. Ruben's just going to be like, you ready to sell your house again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, let's talk about the rehab for this property or what needed to be done after you purchased it. And was the purchase process any different because it was a pre-foreclosure? Yes, yes. So that was something that I had never done before. So I was a little nervous about it, but the, the deal was such a good deal. I was going to figure out how to do it and do it right. Mm -hmm. So I went ahead and contacted an attorney. I, I told him what I was trying to do. And he went ahead and drew up the paperwork where I would ac acquire the property. It would be deeded over into my name. However, the financing remained in the previous owner's names. And the agreement between me and the sellers were that, hey, give me at least 12 months to do a refi, and then I'll have the loan in my name at that point. So that's what we agreed upon. And uh, I had an attorney type up this agreement for me. 
we went to the local title company. This title person is always helping me out. And she went ahead and processed that, notarized it, and filed it with Bear County. The house was deeded over into my name. However, the, the mortgage remained in the previous owner's name for, and I just recently refinanced in May. So I acquired this property in January. So about four to five months, it was under their name. And then here recently, I went ahead and switched that over. And that is called a quick claim deed when you just transfer the deed over to someone else. Yes. And in yes. like that, that puts a lot of trust these people had to have in you for you to make their mortgage payments timely for them. I actually just a guest we had had on here, Elise from California, who does out-of-state investing. She actually just did this on a deal too. And I was kind of learning more about it where they have access to the same login. So these people can double check each month to make sure that she is making those payments and she's going to do the same. I can't remember if it was six or 12 months, but after she fixes it up, she'll go and refinance and pay their mortgage off. And she also gave them, I think it was maybe like $5,000 up front as kind of, you know, payment for them to take to walk away from the property and her to cover their their payments, but they weren't going to have to go through a foreclosure. Right. So my situation, they were about seven months behind. So I needed to pay that up front to get them out of the foreclosure because I had like two weeks before I was going to get sold at the wow. local, local courthouse. And I uh, the, their final walk away was $17,000. I gave them $8,500 up front in addition to paying those seven months in back pay. And then when the refinance was completed, the other half, the other 15%, the $8,500 was actually paid by my new mortgage company. So I paid off the loan plus the $8,500 that I still owed them was rolled into that refinance mortgage. That's awesome. That's a, such a cool strategy to learn about. Mm-hmm. Ruben, uh, yeah. I, I got a question about that because... Right now, there is a house that I'm looking at as well. Same thing. The gentleman is way on back. He hasn't paid for like, you're, you're not going to believe this, but he hasn't paid his mortgage in like seven months. But due to COVID, right, they're not, you know, kicking a, anyone out of their house. And I understand that. I've told him many times, I'm like, look, I'll take over whenever you're ready. Just let me know. But I think I'm going to try this setup that you did where maybe he does make some money. I pay his back. He can quick deed us into the title. I think I'm going to try that. I'll let you know how that works out. But yeah. that's interesting because I was just offering him cash for his house. Like, you know, here's the money. But maybe that's just not what he's looking for right now. So I'd be also interested to see how that affects somebody's credit score in a positive way if you back pay their eight months, right? Can they right. take that off of their credit score? I didn't think about that as well. I mean, there's a lot of positives, I think, to your strategy. I think you really wanted to take care of the seller in this in this position. And I think you did the right thing. I think I need to implement some of that myself. Right. How did you approach them with the strategy? Was, or was it their idea? Or how did this happen? No, I just kind of, I just thought it through. I talked to other investors that I trust and just listened to the input they gave me. And and I knew what the price point that I needed to pay. And I was trying to figure out how can I make this happen? Now they stayed in the property for an additional 30 days after I acquired it. Uh, and because of that, that's why I came up with the idea. I'll pay you half up front now and the other half at the tail end when I do the refinance to ensure that even though I gave them some money, they're still looking for that additional half. So they're going to, you know, follow through with the agreement, so to speak. You know, uh, I didn't want them to give them all their money and then they just sit in the house and not leave. Right. Yeah. Especially, is it difficult to do evictions in Texas? It's not, it's very pretty landlord friendly, isn't it? But that's always 
a concern. Yeah, it is landlord friendly. Um, I've been very fortunate. I have not reached that point yet. So it, I, I can't answer that, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. Ho- that's good. Yeah, news. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully, hopefully you'll never have to. Right. Exactly. So speaking of that, for your properties, can you give us a little overview of how rents work, how you're using? I know a minute ago you said cozy. How is all that working together now with your portfolio? So it's because I use Cozy. Cozy is real good about sending you emails, updates on payments. Out of the five tenants that I have, three of them pay through Cozy. So they set it up where they automatically withdraw from their checking account and it gets routed into my bank account. The other two tenants, they have selected to go to the local bank here and just make that deposit. When they make that deposit, they send me a text message that payment has been made. I confirm using my app. And once I make confirmation, then right on my phone, I get into Cozy, update their account and show that the rent has paid. They get an email that they've been credited. Cozy keeps up with all of that, uh, all the accounting piece of it. It's a pretty convenient and pretty uh, user-friendly. That's really good. That's great. And um, there's other property management software too out there that I've used, Appfolio and Buildium. I mean, just technology these days to manage a rental property is great. And Felipe really needs to get on board with this and get out of his Excel spreadsheets and <laughs> Look, picking up his rent. <laughs> first of I feel all. Like we've been talking about this since the very first episode, Felipe. Yeah. We have. I need to just buy a bank. Uh, Have you guys seen that? I think it's called the banker. So I can't remember what it's called, but I just need to buy my own bank where I can make my own rules. It's getting, it's getting tougher and tougher. (laughs) Let's talk about banking actually. So Ruben, when you went and refinanced, you know, this deal, this pre-foreclosure, how did you do that? And what did the bank want from you to do this? So obviously, since I have other rental properties and all those mortgages under my name, you know, you have to offset those mortgages. And the way you do that is with your tax returns to schedule E's. Now, I do have some properties that I like I have one current property right now that I don't have a schedule E. So they, they require a lease agreement. And I guess now that I have a history of being a real estate investor, I have other tax returns that have schedule E's, the, one, the properties that where I don't necessarily have a schedule lead, I think they're more receptive to accepting just the lease agreement because they can see a history that I've been doing this for a few years now. Uh, but I know the first time I'm sure the underwriter was a little nervous. Uh, I got yeah, that all the time when I history. first started. Yeah. <laughs> when I first started, man, I messed up and I didn't have a good CPA. And this is the importance of a CPA is keeping yourself bankable. Man, when yes. I first started, I had all my income going into just one schedule. And they, my bank was like, or yeah, when they was applying for loans, they were like, well, we don't know what property is doing good and which one's doing bad. All your money is just in one pot. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that I was supposed to separate them into different schedules. And my CPA hadn't told me. He was just putting everything together, saving me as much money as possible, which I was happy for, but it didn't keep me bankable. And 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 shout out to my CPA because you know a CPA, I think, is worth their weight in gold because they can keep you bankable with exactly with what you're talking about. Because I wasn't educated in taxes and all that. Right. And and here's the thing. I mean, not only that, you also have to, as you start building your portfolio, you got to have the cash reserves to be able to get that final approval from the underwriters. And that's, right. that's something that I've learned throughout the years. And because of my civilian job in the 401k, that is what's kind of helped me out in, in that aspect. Yeah, definitely having that W-2 income 
really helps you get some of that financing, especially in the beginning. And that's why when people tell me they want to quit their job and just jump right into real estate, well, I recommend keeping your W-2. And we've had so many examples of people who can do this and keep their W-2 because those first two years, that's what helps you get the financing. So what did the numbers look like for this? Go, what your purchase price? Uh, how much did you refinance? So the agreement was uh, one fifty two minus the seventy five hundred dollars that I had to pay up front. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I paid one forty five, and it had a value of one hundred and ninety thousand. The property. Nice. Wow. And all I did was take out all the carpet and put uh, vinyl plank flooring. That cost me about thirty five hundred dollars to do, and then I repainted uh, the majority of the house. That cost me probably another twelve hundred dollars. And that was it. Uh, Wait, I, I'm not going to let you skip over that. You just said you got a whole house painted for $1,200? Yes. <laughs> ¿Qué les estás pagando a los que están trabajando? <laughs> hey, no, this guy's great, man. And uh, he takes care of me. So uh, anyhow, so I got that for about $145. I ended up giving him, like I said, an additional $17,000 by the time it was all said and done. Uh, when I did the refinance and they added the $8,500 into the loan, I ended up uh, financing, I think, $128,000. So right now my mortgage is $1,002. I plan on living, living here probably another couple years, maybe, depending on how quick I can get uh, my forever home built. And at that point, I'll convert this property into a rental. And right now the rent rate's here about $1,575 or higher. Wow, that's awesome. So your, all your expenses will be covered. And what do you think, it, what will your cash flow after your property taxes, insurance are paid for? Probably 450. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And that's going to go towards your forever home mortgage. I mean, you get two or three properties that are cash flowing. You know, that's the power of delaying your gratification. And notice what I said there by delaying your gratification, not denying your gratification, right? You want your forever home, but you decided to make an educated decision, an educated financial decision to buy real estate to pay for your forever home. Now you don't have to worry about the payments on your forever home. You'll be able to use the cash flow from these properties that you purchased to cover that. And now you can work, not work, do what you want, love your house and not have that financial burden of, oh my gosh, I have to pay my mortgage or I got to pay this. You know that your properties are going to be doing that. And what's awesome about that, let me add, Ruben, is that your properties are now going to have history, right? So you'll have two or three years of history with those properties paying you cash flow, and you'll be able to know and feel secure at night that your mortgage will be getting paid by these properties. And not just that, you are providing a great house for someone else to live in tested by Ruben because you're living in one now, but you'll be able to say this is a great house, right? And and someone that maybe can't get a mortgage right now, or that's, you know, needing to rent for the next couple of years, you know, you're providing that. So speaking of that, what's your typical tenant? Give us a little insight in your area. What does your typical tenant look like in the properties that you have? What's an ideal tenant? Well, uh, it's hard to say because I'm getting from all different walks of life. I got a guy that works for a flooring company. I have uh, another set of tenants that they work at the local juvenile center. Uh, I have uh, another set of tenants that they work for the federal government. Uh, I have another tenant that they're teachers. And then I got another guy who works for an oil field company. Across so, I mean, the board, it's just, just, yeah, just it's across the everywhere, board, you know, across the board. I love that. So I, I like to share something with y'all that yeah. I think it's very important. If you set your mind to it, you're going to figure out how to get it done. And so this, this off-market deal we just talked about, the pre-foreclosure, 
situation. I was under contract on another foreclosure when this opportunity came up. So I had money set aside for the down payment on the one I had under contract that I purchased off of MLS. And then about three weeks later is when this pre-foreclosure situation pops up. So now I'm like, okay, I got another opportunity for another great deal where I'm going to walk into it with about forty to $50,000 in equity. But yet I have this money already committed to this foreclosure that I'm about to close in in about 30 days. So how can I make it happen? So I start thinking, and I had a, another rental that I had a lot of equity. So I called my mortgage lender. I said, hey, I got an opportunity for another off-market situation and I need the money. This is what I like to do. I like to take this property over here, do a cash out refi, take that money and utilize it to be able to fund this off-market deal. Be- before you were closed on it? Yeah. Wait, wait, so, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, so, yeah, I know. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> let me let me let me reverse that. Okay. So before you closed on a property, you were leveraging the equity to buy the next one. Yes. And all you were were under and all you were just under contract. Yes. Okay, I need that underwriter's name, number, <laughs> and all that information. Yeah. Wow, I've never heard and, of that. Ashley, have I, you heard of that? Yeah, I've actually done it where a lo- uh, bank gave me a 90-day unsecured loan to purchase a property. It wasn't like another property wasn't collateral that I hadn't purchased yet or anything like that, but they gave me a loan with no collateral on it. Oh, no, he's saying he leveraged a property that was just under contract, not even in his name. No, 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 no. Right, but there was no collateral on that one Correct no, that you were purchasing? No, Felipe, I, I didn't leverage the, mm-hmm. the the property I had under contract. I leveraged a property I already owned. Ah, I had, okay, I had okay. One, I had one under contract that I was pending the, uh, the final purchase, but I grabbed another property, refinanced that one uh, to fund the the off market deal. Because I sorry, the, I needed a GPS to manufacture <laughs> all that. That's amazing, yeah. though. Good job, Ruben. Yeah. I love that. And that is such a great point. And I'm gr- glad that you thought to to tell us that, even though we hadn't asked, because th- it seems like that is a challenge for people is growing and scaling. But sometimes you just don't have the money. And like that has been a hurdle for me where I have this line of credit. Well, as I buy bigger properties, that money is tied up and then I have to kind of wait for it, you know, rinse, wash and repeat before I can pull it and use again. But right. pulling equity out of your property, finding a partner, getting private money, hard money lender, those are all great ways to help you grow to be able to purchase more than one property at once and you know obviously there's a disclaimer be careful how much you're leveraging yourself stuff like that and out of curiosity so once you had pulled more equity out of that property what was your loan to value on that property you pulled more equity out of did you stay safe and you know under a certain amount well, 75% is the only the only uh, loan-to-value amount that the bank would lend me. So my mortgage payment increased on that property by $90. However, it gave me an additional cash flowing property of 350 That's an so, easy math problem. Right. That's yeah, great. Yeah. It happens. So at the end of the day, in the long run, it, it's, gonna, it's just going to get even better. And your tenant is paying down the mortgage on that That's property. Correct. So, yeah. Hey, Ruben, before we move on to the MVP portion of the show, I do have one question. I know that sometimes this is a hot topic among investors. Would you use equity in your personal resident to purchase rental property? And how do you feel about that? Yes. So I'm glad you asked that, Felipe. Uh, On the short sale that I told you I acquired a property back in 2018, I had already uh, applied for a HELOC on my personal residence, and I had been approved for a $35,000 HELOC. 
And so when I found this short sale, obviously you have to have 20% down for a conventional loan. So what I did is I grabbed that 20% from my HELOC so and ended up buying that property. So you can say that I got that property financed at 100%, 80% by the mortgage company and the other 20% from my HELOC. Ruben, sorry, man, I don't mean to cut you off, but if you would have started this when you first started your law enforcement career, billionaire. You're so wise with this, man. It's so smart. Thank you. Uh, but I will say this, Felipe, I would have never done that on deal number one because I think it's too risky at that point. You really don't know what you're doing. And I think just the deck would be stacked against you at that point. But now that I have several properties, I'm comfortable with that. And just because you financed 100% of it, I bet that you still had reserves in place for that property. It's not like you had no money at all and you walked into that deal financing, leveraging the whole thing with no reserves in place. That's correct. Yeah, Yeah, that's an important thing for Mm -hmm. people to remember is there is opportunity to do these no money down deals, but you still have to have those reserves in place because day one furnace can break down, your property can flood, all these different things can happen. So it's Mm -hmm. very important to have reserves in place when you do these no money down deals. But let's move on to something more exciting than reserves. Let's talk about the MVP. Who is someone that has really helped you build your business? And you talked about having a great team in place. So Felipe, what do we call this segment? The MVP. MVP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. 
The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Ruben, who is that person for you, buddy? Who is that? Who is that MVP? That that is uh, that best friend of mine that we grew up together. His name is Adan Aguillon. He is a local real estate agent here in San Antonio. Him and I, I mean, we've known each other all our lives. He's the one that got me started, and uh, he's the one that found me the second deal. And we talk just about at least once once every week. We stay on top of uh, real estate. He tells me about properties around the market that I haven't seen and, and vice versa. We have a lot of discussion with rent comps and things like that. So for your MVP, your friend that you're talking about, and excuse me, can you say his name again? Adan Aguillon. Adan. Okay. So for your relationship with this guy, man, what? how has that grown now that both of you guys are in real estate? And I'll preface that with I think it's awesome. It seems like there's just this, as you're talking in your story, it seems like you're cool with just helping other people as well. I mean, both of you guys are in real estate. You should be against each other, right? You're both real estate agents. So how have you guys kind of created and formed a better relationship now that you're both in real estate? Man, you know, uh, I think, you know, we both came from very humble beginnings. Uh, So we're trying, I mean, we're doing very well. We're very blessed. And we like to share that with other investors, clients, I help out other people. He helps out other people. We talk about each other's opportunities. So it's all about helping others. We help each other out and we help other people. That's still, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about is to, to spread that, that love and that wealth because there's plenty of deals out there. I love that. I feel like a lot of times, you know, even when I first started out, I'll, I'll man up to it. You know, I felt like I was like, no, there's, there's not enough. I got to get all the deals for myself. And, and, and no, I'm not going to give this to anybody else. And, and I wasn't growing. It right. wasn't until I had a conversation with my buddy, Diego Corzo, who's, he's a realtor actually in Austin. And he was telling me that his job as a realtor is to help other people find their homes. And like, that wouldn't click for me. I was like, but you're an investor. You should be looking for houses for yourself. And he's like, Felipe, my wealth didn't start multiplying stack on stack on stack until I realized that helping other people was what was giving me fulfillment and therefore adding value to myself as well. So I love that you're saying that there's plenty to go around, right? Reach out, help other people. You're going to get what you want. Yeah. How can you recommend that someone, you know, did your friend approach you or you approach him about getting started? And how can someone else find which friend of theirs would be a good fit to do a first deal on? So uh, as far as me and my friend, Adam, it was just in conversation. That's how, you know, we learned of each other's passions, but uh, I would recommend for somebody to be out there if they want to get into start into real estate investing, you know, go to your local meetups, social media has, um, a lot of people out there advertising that. Of course, I would be careful with your typical guru and ask around, ask other real estate agents or at the meetups. I think the meetups would be very, very helpful because you'll you'll find those people that are in that business that'll be nearby. 
Yeah, and if you if you don't have a a meetup in your town, you can always go to you know biggerpockets.com and you can create your own meetup in your area. So I think that's that's really helpful too. We get a lot of REI meetings mentioned on the show. Ashley loves them. Right. <laughs> yeah, I do. And I was going to mention the Rookie Facebook page too. If you search uh, Real Estate Rookie on Facebook, we have over 5,000 people in the group right now. Actually, More I think like it's closer to 10,000. 10, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, ask people on there if they know of a meetup in your area or there'd be plenty of people to connect with to start a meetup in that group too. But thank you for sharing your yeah. MVP with us today, Ruben. And we will connect more information about um, today's MVP on biggerpockets.com forward slash rookie 22. Can we say one more thing? Okay, so sure, yeah. another MVP that is extremely important to me because she helps me during when I manage these properties and getting these properties renovated. And that's my wife, Araceli Galindo. She is awesome. Without her, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So I got to give her a huge shout out as well. That's awesome. I think you're the Selly. first person shout to out. mention their spouse on here as the MVP, yes. I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So let's move on to the rookie request line. And remember that you can always reach us anytime at 1 888 rookie. That's 1 888 rookie to leave us a voicemail and we might use it on the next show. Scott from the DMV here, buy and hold investor with a question about reserves for vacancy, maintenance, and CapEx. There's a lot of talk about you know, the amounts, but my question is about the mechanics of how our model includes a $10,000 unit reserve at time of purchase. Thanks, Scott Trench, and plan to add 20% per month. Thanks to Josh and, and Brandon there. Looking for some advice as to best practices for how and where those reserves are held. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, I think setting money aside is, is extremely important. What's helped me, and again, I didn't do it on purpose. It just ended up that way. But I would encourage anybody who has a W-2 job and has a 401k plan with their W-2 job, that qualifies, at least it's qualified in my case, to be considered reserves. So that's another strategy that I've used is I just keep adding to my 401k on a monthly basis from my W-2 paycheck. That's Love awesome. It. And that's interesting. I've never heard anyone, you know, give that answer before. So what would you do in that scenario if you needed to, you needed to use your reserves? Would you take a loan against your 401k? Yes. Yes. I, I would uh, take a loan to avoid that penalty. Yeah. And then you're paying interest back to yourself when you repay that 401k loan. So right. yes, you're you're losing that amount of money making a return in your investment portfolio, but you're able to use that for your reserves and then you're paying yourself back interest. Yeah. That's, right. that's a very interesting strategy. I, I haven't heard that before. That's great. Felipe, what do you do for your reserves? I don't have any reserves. I just go, I'm, I'm crazy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Both of you guys' face was epic. It was like, that's well, terrible. Well, mine but... was because we've talked about this before. Yeah. And yours is no, like no, no, 10 no. Of times course more I have reserves. mine is. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a family, right? I got a two-year-old, almost three now, and then my wife. So I, I have a little bit more reserves than probably most people should. But one of my biggest reserves is definitely my line of credit. So I have an open line of credit for a larger amount that if, I mean, stuff really just hit the fan. 
then I would pull from that to help whatever property needs a little bit of help. But that's about right. About 10 to just, just like the gentleman said, about 10 to 15,000 per property in cash. And then the rest is off the line of credit that we have if we needed to pull more from that. But honestly, I don't want people to forget it's really important to also have insurance on your properties, right? So like, I think if sometimes if it's more than 10 or $15,000 in repairs or something, I'm, I'm going to be looking at calling some insurance companies because I want to make sure that, you know, I'm not depleting my cash reserves. Now I want to have them because as Ruben said earlier, it helps you when you're bankable, right? And it helps you when you're applying for more properties and things. You can show the bank that, look, you're a wise investor by having cash reserves in regards to your properties. And, and banks love that. So that's kind of how I handle my cash reserves, my lines of credit and things of that nature. Another thing that I'm doing right now, Ashley, is I'm actually refinancing my properties into long-term low-rate debt because rates are so low. So that's that's another kind of play that I'm doing as we speak right now as well. Yeah, I want to add, because I know you haven't done any commercial loans yet, Felipe, right? Yours are all on the residential side. I That's And I, I've never really thought about this before until right now, but I've never had a commercial lender ask me for reserves before. They've never asked for a bank statement or anything like that showing that I have reserves in place. But when I've done residential, they do ask for that. So that's that's interesting, that's interesting. to me to think about that. Yeah. And then for my reserves, I just hold them all into, uh, they're in a savings account, a high interest savings account. And it's at a bank that we don't usually bank at. And it, the money to transfer it is not easy to transfer it. So I kind of keep it so that it's out of sight, out of mind, and I don't touch it. And that's kind of my strategy on that. So it's not easy to have access. Yeah. Okay, that's a so- great, that's a great strategy. Let's move on to our fun questions now, super random and to kind of get to know you a little bit. So my question for you is what is one fear or self-doubt you've overcome or are trying to overcome right now? Maybe just uh, when I'm acquiring that next property, is this going to rent out? Even Mm -hmm. though I know the numbers are good, I know the demand is there, but still that human side of me is, it gives me a little fear. Yeah. (laughs) I think that goes back, and I can't remember the book, but where it talks about taking your emotions out of it, because that's just an emotional feeling, Ruben. You know it's going to rent. You have five other properties that are doing fantastic. You know that next property is going to rent. And I have that trouble as well. And I have eight rental properties. And I buy that next one. And if it doesn't rent the very next day that I purchased it, I'm freaking out. But I know that that's just an emotional feeling. And I want to tell our listeners, you don't don't feel that way. It's okay. The place is going to rent. You're going to be fine as long as you ran your numbers correctly. And if you took your emotions out from the very beginning, don't put them in right before rent, right? I mean, just take the emotions out of it. And that's another thing where reserves come in to play too, because if you really are worried about that and you need it to be rented right away to make that mortgage payment, then maybe make sure you have enough reserves so that if it isn't rented right away, you can cover those mortgage payments for several months. And I would still even recommend that even if you think it's going to rent right away. But if I'm a big thing and if it's going to help you sleep at night, then just do it. <laughs> you know, have those reserves in place. Don't over leverage yourself. There, there's no rule as to you have to have this much in reserves. You have to have your property rented outright the second you have to do these things. It's 
I, a lot of it is mindset and getting over that hurdle and what helps you sleep at night and makes you comfortable. And yes, as a real estate investor, there are many times where you have to get uncomfortable to get that next project or find that next property or get it under contract. But a lot of times there are things that you can stay comfortable in and that's how many reserves you have. And when Felipe first told me how many reserves he has. I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? You could buy another, you know, down payment on a property and still have enough cushion, but that's what helps him sleep at night. Right. That and NyQuil. <laughs> <laughs> Ruben, let's move on to the next question here. What's your what's your toilet bowl story? And we get this question where Brandon Turner in the OG Bigger Pockets show talks about, you know, he had a toilet that he was carrying through a rental property and he just basically said, screw it, I'm creating systems for this because this is ridiculous. So what's that moment when you realized you were approaching a real estate problem the wrong way and you just had to change something? I think the the maintenance when I first got started, I was trying to do it myself and uh, I quickly learned that was not the job for me. So I needed to go ahead and man up, fork out the money and get the professionals to do the work because I just wasn't going to be able to do it. I think as Latinos, that's hard for us because I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm in the same boat, bro. I'm like, oh, I can do this better and faster than anyone else. And, and yeah, I, I can save myself 250 bucks. But then I just spent six hours trying to fix that problem where I could have, you know, went and found another acquisition or something. So yeah, I, I understand yeah. you in, in that regard where it's like, now I did read in your show notes that you still change your air filters. I'm going to yeah, pick on you yeah, about but, that one. So that's because, and I do that for this reason, because I do quarterly inspections. I do quarterly inspections of the home and that gives me an opportunity to change out the filter just to make sure it gets done. And that's not that big of a deal anyhow. Because my tenants don't change it either. I go change right. all my air filters and it gives me an excuse to get in the house and like creep exactly. around, make sure everything is good. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay, so for our last question, it's a little bit of rookie hazing, and okay. we want to know what is your guilty pleasure song, and can you sing a little bit of it for us? Sure. So uh, I'm here in San Antonio, Texas now, and uh, I was a huge fan of the late Emilio Navaida, who is from San Antonio, and uh, I love all his music, but there's one specifically that I really like. It's called Remedio de Amor. Ay, Can you sing a little bit of it for us? Yeah. All right. Que no llores. Uh, yeah. No llores, right? Uh, no llores. That's it. I, yeah, that's like one of our best. That was thing. really good. Yeah. Ruben, I want, I want our next guest to do El Grito. See, ah. If someone can do it. Oh, yeah. You got hey, it? You want to try it? Oh, yeah. All right. Do All it. Right, let's see. <laughs> Oh my God, that was amazing. Top anyone else's. That is amazing. I love it. Tejano, man. I'm Tejano. Got to, bro. I love it. Big old gonna, Texas. Boy, yeah, I love yeah. it. Well, uh, Ruben, can you let everyone know where they can find some more information from you if they want, you know, tips on buying foreclosures or singing advice? Please tell us where they can find advice. you. I don't know about the singing part, but on Facebook, I'm on Facebook, uh, Ruben Galindo. I also have a Facebook page, Ruben Galindo, brokered by San Antonio's Finest Realty. I also have my Instagram. I do have a YouTube channel. I haven't really built on that much, but I can be reached there as well. And I have a couple websites, but just Facebook and Instagram, probably the best way. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. We have loved learning about everything that you're doing and I'm sure the audience is going to love it too. All right, thank y'all for the opportunity. I enjoyed watching you guys. So it's been an honor for me. Yeah, thank you. Bye Ruben. 
Bye. Thanks. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals. Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.